Hey, I'm Ruth Schwank, and I'm so thrilled you're listening in with us at Root Like Faith. It is our deepest desire to encourage and equip men and women to be rooted in God's Word, transformed by the love of Jesus, and moved by His mission in the power of the Holy Spirit. Nothing is more important. Well, today I'm so excited because we are kicking off our summer school mini-series. And you are in for a treat because we have a special guest that I know you are going to love. But before I talk about the special guest, honey, why don't you share a little bit about this summer school mini-series? I thought you'd never ask. <laughs> you know I'm excited about this series uh, because I, I showed my enthusiasm several weeks ago when yes. we were talking about it. But no, I am really excited. This is sort of like a mini-class, if you will. Mm. And so we're doing this summer school series and we're talking kind of theology 101 you know the the basics of the Mm -hmm. christian faith we're going to be talking about a variety of topics um and and so we're going to be in particular talking about today with joel um about uh, theology and why theology is not bad or boring and then we've got some guests coming up we're going to talk about who the holy spirit is Uh, are all of the gifts of the spirit still available to us Mm. today Uh, we're going to be talking about the trinity we're going to be talking about angels and demons we're going to talk about the bible and whether or not it can be trusted. And so I hope that this is just a really, really good mini-series to just mm-hmm. further root us in Christ, help us to feel more equipped, more confident uh, in our own faith. And so I am just really, really excited to be discussing some of these topics and uh, to have some of these guests on the podcast. Mm-hmm. I think you're going to really, really enjoy it. Yeah, we have some amazing guests lined up. So let me tell you about the guests today. His name is Joel Mutamale, and maybe, whoa, that's kind of a hard name to say, Mutamale. It is. I like I it, though. Sh- I thought Schwenk was hard. No, it's so, is... it sounds so cool, Mutamale. <laughs> Anyways, Joel serves as the Director of Theology and Research for Proverbs 31 Ministries and Lisa Turkhurst, and is part of the preaching team at Transformation Church with Pastor Derwin Gray. Joel is a Ph.D. candidate in theology and is writing about unity and diversity. He loves studying and teaching the brilliant truths found in Scripture and unpacking how they relate to our everyday lives. And I I love that bio, the end of that, because I feel like Joel is so good at that. You know, he's on Instagram if you want to follow him at Mudamale. And that's spelled M-U-D-D-A-M-A-L-L-E. And he just does a great job of really making theology understandable for the everyday person. Don't you agree? Absolutely. Absolutely. I wish I had half of his brain. Oh, um, and so he is just, uh, <laughs> you, they're going to love this conversation. And for those of our listeners, which I'm sure there are a lot who know of him already and follow him on Instagram, just clearly a, a sharp guy, loves God's word, loves mm. theology. But like you said... Um, wants to make it very, very practical. And um, and so I think you'll you'll get that today in our conversation. Mm-hmm. And so just really appreciate him, appreciate his ministry, mm-hmm. and appreciate all that he's doing for the body of Christ. And so um, we talked today about theology, um, what it is and why it matters, why it's not bad or boring. And so as we kick off this series, um, what better place to start than, than talking with him about that. And so he has just so much energy and excitement and obviously wisdom when it comes to this area. Mm, I agree. All right, let's get going. Well, Joel, welcome to Root Like Faith. We're so excited to have you on today as part of our summer school series. Man, thank you so much. I'm so excited to, to be here with you. Well, I know that we have we have sort of known of each other for kind of a, a couple years now and have gotten to know each other, you know, online and have never had the opportunity to get together in person. And so it's just good to connect in this way and just really appreciate your 
your time and have appreciated your voice and influence and just your teaching ability, your gifts. And so I'm excited to uh, just to have uh, this conversation on Root Like Faith. I know it's going to be a huge encouragement, blessing to our listeners. And as we were talking earlier, you know, we are in the middle of this, or actually it's the first episode of this series that we're doing on the podcast called Summer School. And so this is kind of a Theology 101 um, you know, uh, sort of a, a Bible basics. And so for nerds like me, like I'm loving this series. I'm going to love this series. And so it's, it's great to have you on. We're going to be kicking off this series today. And as we were talking earlier, and we've got all sorts of great content and conversations coming here over the next couple of weeks. You know, we're talking about the Trinity. We're talking about angels and demons. Uh, we've had Jenny Coonan talk with her and interviewed her about her new book on the Holy Spirit, which I know you've yeah. Had lots of conversations with her and have you know, yeah, talked with her recently. Best. She really is. Mm-hmm. That was such an incredible conversation with her. And then Sean McDowell is talking about the Bible and whether or not it can be trusted. And then Dr. Sam Storms yeah. is talking about different spiritual gifts and uh, yeah. whether or not uh, all of the gifts still uh, really are available to uh, to the church today. So lots of good content conversations coming. But today well, we're kicking off theology. Pat, putting the Thanks, Pat, for putting the stress on, to putting the pressure on for me after you, you list an all-star group like that. So right, right. Uh, I appreciate it. Yeah, no pressure. Like if we notice a real dick and listens <laughs> after this, you know, we'll, we'll connect the dots. No, <laughs> no I really want to, I, I think um, this is such a great place to start. And I've been so, as I said, I've been so grateful for your your influence and your teaching ability and and just your, your role with Proverbs and, and just the impact I know you're having. And so- we're going to be talking about theology, you know, what is it and why does it matter? And But before we get there, I'd love for you, I think a lot of our listeners are going to be familiar with you already. And so for those that aren't, um, I'd love for you to just take a couple minutes and I'd love to just kind of hear your story, like how you came to know Christ and maybe yeah. just some of those experience or events or even people that have shaped you over the years in particular that maybe have really just given you a love for for Jesus, but but for His Word and and for theology. So let's start there. Yeah, yeah. Well, I wish we were uh, in person together around a, a coffee uh, table with some good coffee in our hands. And uh, for everybody that's listening in, I, I wish y'all were uh, had a chair and, and pulled up so we could see each other and smile and just get to know each other. But I need you to just imagine that you've got some coffee. Hopefully, you do actually have some coffee in your hand. But um, if you saw me, you'd see that I'm actually Indian. Um, and so actually some of the, the earliest memories that I have, my grandparents are missionaries in India. And when my mom was in med school, she sent me to live in India. And my grandfather, um, was converted by British missionaries, uh, in India and he responded to the gospel and the Lord saved him. And he has been doing missions work in India, which is a primarily Hindu, uh, and Buddhist country and and Christians are, are, are severely the minority there. And so I think I have a very special um, kind of introduction uh, to the gospel and to the story of Jesus, because some of my earliest memories are waking up early, early in the morning, like three or four in the morning, and uh, getting up with my grandfather and going to these rural villages and hearing my my grandfather, uh, grandfather in Telugu, the language that we speak in India, is Tata, listening to my Tata um, just proclaim the gospel to a group of people called the Untouchable. 
vegetables. And these were people that were the lowest uh, outcast of society. They really didn't have any hope, any opportunities, and um, watching how the gospel invaded their lives as they met and heard about this guy named Jesus, um, who really changes everything. And so uh, the most influential person, uh, Pat, in my life absolutely has to be my grandfather, um, because I saw a man who not only lived the message of the gospel, um, but who uh, permeated that message and everything that he did from his words to his writing, to his mm-hmm. actions, to his fathering and, and, and even his grandfathering. And so um, that that's a, a big part for me. I, I got my start in ministry as a worship leader. Uh, a lot of people don't know that about me early in, <laughs> early in the day. And so it's been a really long time. I don't want anybody to ask me on Instagram or anything to pick up a guitar and, and lead any worship. It's I, been a I really just... long time. I was just going to say, I'm going to be the first person to do that. So just, just watch right. your Instagram. <laughs> right, right. Um, but uh, I, my, my first, so I kind of had in my early child after that experience with my grandfather, I think as many uh, kids, especially when I came back to America, um, had I kind of had the American dream in my heart. And so it's like, hey, I'm going to become a lawyer. Uh, I'm going to get married and, uh, and just kind of live out the American dream. And towards sometime later in my life, I'll, I'll give a little bit back to, uh, to Jesus and, and to the church. Um, and, uh, when I started leading worship and started doing that, I was introduced to this movement called the passion movement. And many of you already know a guy named Louis Giglio. And, uh, as a high school senior, my youth pastor snuck me into a passion conference. I wasn't even technically allowed to go, but he somehow got me in and I was so hyped and I was so excited and ready, uh, to hear, uh, Louis and, and these other incredible worship leaders, Crowder and Tomlin back in the day and Charlie Hall. And then there was this guy in a tweed suit coat who came up, and his name is John Piper, Dr. John Piper. And I remember thinking, all right, now is a good time to go to the bathroom. You know, like, they're, they're, <laughs> like, like this is the time for me to break. But for whatever reason, I just kind of sat down, and I heard Dr. Piper um, talk about the glory of God and um, what he refers to as Christian hedonism. And I just remember my heart was captivated, and I, I just thought, my goodness, I've never really heard – um, the scriptures, theology, biblical theology articulated in this way where uh, it just really captivated me. And so that was my really first introduction to theology. And then the more I read Piper and uh, Keller and all these other guys, I realized, gosh, they're referring a lot to a guy named Jonathan Edwards. Who is Jonathan Edwards? And so that was my introduction to Edwards and the Puritans. And the more I read the Puritans, I realized, gosh, these guys are all really ripping off a guy named Augustine and Aquinas. <laughs> and and then I got into church history and, yeah. and the fathers. And, and that really was my introduction to biblical theology mm. and to um, just this great tradition that we have in orthodoxy and, and the church fathers. And so um, yeah. th- those people that have shaped me, I would say that the biggest theologians in my life are going to be guys like J.I. Packer, John Stott, um, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, um, Herman Bovink, a brilliant systematic theologian. And so, uh, but it all started, I mean, you know, really for me, one early on with my grandfather, but then um, really at this passion conference in Lee and uh, listening to Dr. Piper uh, yeah. just explain the gospel. And it's been an incredible journey ever since. I love that, man. God is, God is so good. It's just, it's amazing to me, you know, the different ways that God you know, breaks through in our life and the different, you know, events or experiences or even people that, that God uses as, as he's pursuing us and calling us into a relationship, you know, with himself through Jesus. And it's interesting, as you're talking about your father or your grandfather, um, I think I maybe have shared this story before on the podcast, but 
it was really my grandfather that it was kind of a turning point. My mom's side, it was, it was her dad, um, you know, for, for our family, but my mom describes coming home one day, she was, I think maybe upper elementary, junior high and coming home and, and, uh, finding her dad, my grandfather, uh, they grew up in a, in a coal mining town in Kentucky, but she came home and found him weeping, uh, in, in, um, in their family room, he was weeping on the floor and he'd been listening to, um, uh, a radio broadcast out of Grand Rapids, Michigan. And so um, he heard the gospel and it just penetrated his heart and, and he received Christ uh, that day. And, and she says that, that that moment, everything changed and their lives changed, their family changed. And so it just reminded me as you were telling that story of your grandfather and just the impact that Jesus had in his life and how transformative it, it really was. I, I, I can identify at least in part with, you know, that was true in, in our family with my grandfather. I'm so grateful for, for his response to the gospel and how that impacted my mom and then, and then us and on down the line. And, and so I just love that different, different people um, that you have mentioned. Those are some big names. And, um, and so um, that's good, good company to be in and good people to be reading. And so I appreciate that part of the story. I, I want to sort of transition here. I know we're, we're going to talk about theology and, and what it is, why it matters. I think sometimes theology gets a bad rap. Uh, Oftentimes Mm -hmm. uh, people view theology as, is boring. Um, and so I'd love for you to just really speak very simply to what is theology and, and why is it so important? Yeah. So, so I love this question and I feel like sometimes theology can feel like this big, massive, um, you know, 30,000 foot in the air kind of question. And, and probably one of the best, um, ways that, that I have been able to understand theology is based off of this 17th century German astronomer. And so someone's like, wait, can we actually learn anything from the 17th century? Um, <laughs> yes, we absolutely can. And it was actually a German astronomer, Johannes Kepler, um, who once said he was looking out into the stars. And he basically says, you know, when he talk about theology and, 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 and really studying God's word, he said, I was just merely thinking God's thoughts after him. I was merely just thinking God's thoughts after him. And so what is theology? Well, theology comes from the Greek word theos, and and uh, the second half of that word is, is the, the word for study, and it's, it's a study of God's word. But I kind of like this definition or this coloring even more so. Um, it's actually an acknowledgment that God has thought all of these thoughts out already, and he has graciously placed them in Holy Scripture for us. Uh, and so our journey, our process of studying God's word is not necessarily to come up with new thoughts or new ideas or, or innovative new original concepts. It's just simply saying, gosh, Lord, you have thought all these things in front of us. And so we're just going to follow after your leading. We're going to follow after your thoughts and we're going to see where you lead us. And so uh, when we think about what theology is, I kind of think of it as um, uh as a journey where we're following our good father who has left us uh, a trail, a breadcrumb trail in a sense uh, to journey towards home. And so that's kind of uh, what, how I would describe theology, yeah, just thinking God's thoughts after him. Yeah, it's really good. It, it reminds I think it was Tozer who said that, you know, what we believe about God is the most important thing about us. And I, I think mm-hmm. just that reminder that it's not like there are some people who are theolo- theologians and some who aren't. Um, I mean, yeah. certainly people we think of that, that in some of those you described is the, but really everybody's a theologian. I mean, anybody, yeah. uh, I mean, the girl at the supermarket is, is really a theologian because she has thoughts about God. The minute, the minute somebody begins to say, well, I think this about God, 
or right. God is this way. They're, they're, they're having a thought about God or they're making a statement about a God. And so the reality is that, that all of us, um, you know, even the non-Christian is, is a theologian because they're having, having thoughts about God. And, and the real issue is whether our theology is good <laughs> or whether it's, yeah. whether it's bad. Right. Right. And, and I, I think, my goodness, that's such an important concept because I do feel like often when, when I um, am in conversations with people that they think, gosh, it would be so great to be a theologian one day. Yeah. And, and I say literally exactly what you just said. I said, actually, um, the moment you begin to think the thoughts of God or to think on God himself, you've actually entered into the role of theology. So the, a theologian isn't something that we become one day. Um, right. A theologian is, is who we are today. And yeah. in being that thing today, um, it's a thing that actually doesn't even cease because there is never a point in time where we get to say, hey, um, I have come to the end of the road of, of God's thoughts. Th- those are endless, you know? Yeah. And yeah. so there's even a, a beautiful journey ahead for that. But um, yeah, I would just be emphatic on that on that thought that every one of us, the mom, um, the high school student, the college student, um, my children who are 10, 6, 7, and 15 months, I mean, they are all in some way, in some fashion, uh, theologians in the sense of they're trying to understand their place uh, in place of God and the world. Yeah. Well, I w- let me highlight a couple things too that I think are really important for for us to remember. You know, when it comes to to understanding theology and why theology matters, you know, so much. I think, you know, we're seeing this in our, in our own day for sure, um, and it's I guess it's nothing new to to our culture. This has happened, uh, you know, even even um, you know the apostles were dealing with this. But I think one of the other reasons why theology is so important, why it matters so much, is because we have a tendency to really begin to, to make God submissive to us. And so, mm-hmm. I mean, unless we have like a biblical view of who God is and we stay focused on that and, and, and our, again, our thoughts about God are anchored in scripture, um, it, then, then what happens is that, that really Christianity will, will tend to be defined by what we think or how we feel. And so yeah. I think it's so important, you know, just for us as as we're thinking about this series and as we're thinking about this conversation today, that, that I think that's one of the reasons why theology is so important, good theology is so important, is it really prevents us from placing God in submission to us. And I think that, you know, I think one of the other reasons too is that you just think about about Satan's attempts to distort our view of God. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I, I think you see that throughout the scriptures and you see that in in the life of a church or in a home or just in somebody's life, maybe as they're going through through some kind of trial or suffering. Um, I mean, there's all sorts of examples where it's, again, so important that, that we have right thoughts about who God is and that that's biblically informed because, uh, I mean, from the very beginning, obviously, Satan is, is attempting to distort our view of God. But I think the third thing that comes to my mind as we're, as we're talking about, about this is that it really enables us as followers of Jesus to, to live on mission and communicate who God is more accurately. And so mm-hmm. I just, I think you think about what's going on w- within our culture today, and there's all sorts of things that, that, um, that maybe are being communicated about who God is that maybe are, are not accurate. And so I just add some of those, those reasons, I think, for why, why good theology is so important. Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, just in addition to that, I think that there's always something or someone that is competing for our attention and our affection. And the human heart is um, designed, it was uh, built by God to pour out love and affection. And, um, And at the fall, 
the heart doesn't like, this is actually Augustine, you know, I'm thinking of Augustine and and, and others, Calvin, Luther, they talk about the heart being curved inside. Uh, And so the fall, the heart isn't curved uh, in its proper orientation to God. The fall takes our heart and curves it internally towards ourselves, where we become the focus of attention and affection and glory and honor. And, And that is such a subtle yet divisive and destructive aim for our loves and for our desires, because what it will do is not just destroy ourselves, but it will destroy all of the people who are around us, because no longer do we have a higher good, we have only our good um, as our aim. And yet the biblical story and theology, when it's rightly taught, understood, oriented, um, it actually brings right orientation. It actually funnels and, and, and recurves our heart to the place that is going to not just be for our good and for others' good, but ultimately for God's good and glory. Yeah, yeah, that's so good. That, absolutely. Um, let me ask you, because I, I think this is one of the the challenges that that we face, or or sometimes just one of the criticisms uh, when people are thinking about you know theology or what they perceive to be somebody who's who um, you know is is maybe more concerned about biblical theology than somebody else is that sometimes there's a disconnect between the head and the heart. And so mm-hmm, I think mm-hmm. sometimes there's that that criticism, and rightfully so, that that those that are into their Bibles and that those are into theology, like you, you'd want if you were competing for the Bible Bowl, you'd want them on your team, um, right. But, but, right? But you wouldn't want to take a more than a ten minute road trip with them. And so sometimes I think there's it, it feels like there can be a disconnect between our theology and and then our our reality, or a disconnect between having having good theology and having good spiritual formation. And so if you'd speak to that a little bit, I mean, like, like where's the disconnect there sometimes? Like what should somebody avoid um, when they're pursuing, again, biblical theology, having right thoughts, orthodox thoughts about who God is, and yet not losing a soft heart and Christ-like character in, in the process? Yeah, you know, this is such a we could do a whole podcast on this by itself. Yeah. But I think I think part of this is a result of the Enlightenment movement, the um, the Western revelation. Uh, um, uh, you know, the ancients, the Greeks, the Hebrews, the um, the Babylonians, the Persians, the ancient Near Eastern world. When they thought of the human being, you know, the Hebrew word for heart is lab, and 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 that word, that that idea was not a demarcated or, or, or like a, um, a, a, there was no duality or try, um, like a, a tritheism thing going on there. There was this sense that the heart was the, um, seat of the volition, the seat of the will. And the heart actually had both the mind and emotion together in beautiful harmony. What's happened now is that exactly what you just said, we have created this place of either I'm being led by emotion or I'm going to be led by my mind and by my will. And yet that seems to be a foreign concept in the biblical text because there's actually supposed to be balance when we take a look at that. And I think that when we think uh, primarily emotionally or primarily intellectually, and we allow ourselves to be on one side of the polar extreme or the opposite side, we're actually robbing ourselves of what it means to be truly human, of what it means to be a, a truly living and being person the way that God had intended for us to be. And so I would just speak to the intellect you know, if you are primarily wired to be a researcher of facts and, and, an, in, and, and an intellectual, force yourself to step into spaces of emotion, 
read the Psalms, my goodness, read, read Proverbs, read, read literature in the Old Testament that draws out the reality of the human um, emotion and allow yourself to be balanced by that. And then simultaneously, if you're primarily an emotional person, you know, you might want to step into um, some historical context in the Old Testament or read some of Paul and Galatians or Ephesians and not be so um, consumed with things like the Psalms because you want to create balance in your heart. Right. And that's what we have in Scripture. That's what we have in theology. We have um, the sense of balance, not the sense of one thing being, um, you know, uh, just consuming over the other. Yeah, no, that's really like you said. We could do a whole episode on that, on that theme <laughs> alone, and and uh, and not to get too much in the weeds here, but it it does, you know. I, I think certainly um, post Reformation, um, there, there's there's as you know a a distinction between justification, sanctification, adoption, glory. You know, we that that, mm-hmm. that idea is is very much um, new within church history. Uh, post-Reformation, and where, again, for those of our listeners that are coming from a Catholic background or an Orthodox background, one of the differences theologically is that as evangelical Protestants, uh, especially if we come from a more Reformed background, um, so the the folks you're you're describing, um, there's a big emphasis on God declaring us to be righteous, right? That that imputed righteousness, this righteousness that's given to us so that when the Father sees us, he sees us as he sees his son, Jesus, and that's a righteousness that is not our own. We didn't earn it. Um, and yet, because of what Jesus accomplished for us on the cross, um, you know, as Paul says, he made him who knew no sin, um, that he might be sin for us. We might become the righteousness of God. And yet, in the larger body of Christ, there's much more of an emphasis on infused righteousness, not imparted or imputed. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they would oftentimes agree and say, yes, God does declare us to be righteous, but that's just the beginning of a process now. God is is making us righteous. We're actually becoming righteousness. And, and as Protestants, we would we would distinguish those that, that God declares us to be righteous, to be forgiven by our repentance and belief in Jesus. And then that begins the work of sanctification. But for those of our listeners that come from a Catholic or Eastern Orthodox position, um, they, there's much more of an emphasis on becoming righteous and uh, yeah. sharing in, in God's nature and in God uh, imparting, you know, his sanctifying grace, his life. And so it, it, it does. I think sometimes um, we, there's a variety of reasons as to, to sometimes why we can, we can focus on good theology and yet, yet there are large parts of our life or who we are. That, that go untouched um, by, by God's grace. And so um, I think what you said is exactly, exactly right. So true. And again, we, we could spend more, more time, I know, talking about that. Um, <laughs> yeah. But what are some biblical theological trends that you see that are most concerning to you? I mean, we've been talking obviously about, about the role God's word plays and having good theology um, in, in God's grace, the good news, you know, transforming all of who we are, the whole person. But yeah. what are some biblical trends, some some theological trends that, again, most of our listeners likely are aware of? They're they're seeing it in their churches. Maybe they're seeing it uh, at the mall. They're seeing it uh, on social media. But what are some things that you've noticed that that are worth, um, I think, folks just keeping an eye on? Yeah, I mean, actually, I think we've almost subliminally um, hit on ma- on many of these things uh, already. But I-, I see two things that are just coming to a head, um, especially on social media today, like especially on Instagram and on TikTok and 
um, these places where I think maybe a younger generation is kind of working some things out or trying to work some things out. And here are those two things. One, you've already identified it, is this idea that uh, God desires our good, right? Which is a true statement. God does desire our good, okay? But then here's a second one that, that is happening, and I think these two things are actually um, uh, imploding together in a sense. The second one is this idea of deconstruction. And I don't know if anybody has been hearing, like, like I'm just in the process of deconstruction. Like, And what is that? What does that mean, that you're in a process of deconstruction? And what does it mean for the believer who is all of a sudden being faced with um, questions about their faith? Or uh, I'm sure Sean is going to get into this with the reliability uh, of Scripture and apologetics. And, and his dad, obviously, has done a brilliant job in all of these areas. But, there, but, but when we don't have solid foundational theology, these good questions that we should think through um, are not being filtered through the substance of the gospel all of a sudden. And this is where I think is this is where the two things are combined. They're actually filtered through what's best for me. Yeah. Uh, what, what is my good? And so when the filter of your deconstruction is based off of what's good for me, it's what you already said, Pat, uh, we become the aim of our own affection. We become the aim of our own glory. We become the aim of the entire story. And when you and I become the aim of the entire story, um, it is truly not just deconstructive, it is destructive completely, you know? And so I would say one of the things to be be on the lookout for is this, this idea that this, and this is again, basic theology, but that the story of scripture revolves around you. And this may feel offensive to some people that as I say this, but the story of scripture is not about you. The story of scripture is not about me. The story of scripture is about a good God who created good things and is in a, in a process of, of, of new creation, of recreation and restoring all of creation. You know, there's a global cosmic uh, reality, and then the mystery of the gospel is simultaneously the same good God cares about every hair on you, on your, on your head, on, on my head, and uh, He cares about where we sleep, and He cares about our hurts and our pains and our and our suffering, and and He's got a solution for all of that, and the solution is a guy named Jesus, His own Son, you know, and so we have to orient all of these things rightly through theology, so that we don't get to a place where we build up a fabricated theology that. Uh, the goal is to substantiate wherever our emotion or wherever our feelings lead us to. And that's what I'm seeing right now on social. That's what I'm seeing on TikTok. I'm seeing justification for things that the scriptures really clearly identify as either beneficial or non-beneficial for humans. Um, it's either sin or it's not sin, you know, and, and we're saying actually the, the Bible doesn't really say that. You know, like, right. like, like we're not really understanding because God really cares about my good. And, and here's how I'm feeling about these things. And that's just going to lead us into a world of hurt. I love what Paul says in Ephesians like four, I think it's in verses like 20 through 24. He does this whole thing about putting off your old self and putting on the new self, yeah. you know? And so I do think deconstruction is actually really important, but let me, let me be super clear on what I mean by that. Deconstruction is super important in the sense of you, you're deconstructing the old self. 
And this is Paul's language. You're taking off the old self, the sinful self, the, the self that is destructive to you and to everybody around you. And you reconstruct by putting on the new self. You're clothed in Christ. That's what Paul, whenever he talks about the language of in Christ, in Christos, in Greek, that means that we are wrapped up in the life and goodness and the resurrection power of Jesus himself. And so there is deconstruction and reconstruction, but the problem is we're trying to deconstruct the wrong things. And as we deconstruct those things, it's actually like just destroying everything. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. And you, you've said a lot right there and, and there's just, yeah, so much, I think so much wisdom in that and so much for, for us to be cautious of, because I, I think you're, you're exactly right. Uh, it's such an unusual, unusual time, um, especially over the last year, year and a half. It, it feels like they, and I know some of these things are not new and yet they seem so much more pronounced um, you know, right, right now. And so that is, that is really, really good. I, I know we're, we're getting to the end here towards, uh, you know, towards the end of our time. And so I want to, I want to ask you now, um, you know, Ruth, if, if Ruth were on the air with us right now, she was on a podcast, she'd say, okay, let's get practical. And so <laughs> she, she's constantly bringing me back to, okay, those are, those are great thoughts, but like, let's get practical. And so I'm just hearing yeah. her voice. She's, it's like, I have two Holy spirits in my life. Um, and so, uh, Ruth is the second and, and so she, right, I can hear right. her voice whispering in my ear right now. Okay. Get practical. And so right, let, right. let's end, um, with some of those practical things. I mean, for the listener who, um, is really, I think, um, interested in, in just learning going, yeah, that's, that's what I want. That's what I need. I need to grow in my biblical knowledge. Um, my, my theology, like where is just a practical, what, what are some practical steps for knowing God more accurately? And how would you just encourage people to, to begin taking those steps? Yeah, I would say a couple things. The first one is, um, please do not be um, overwhelmed or, or create these list of insane expectations that the only way for you to dig into the Bible is if you know Greek and Hebrew, and if you've got access to all of these commentaries yeah. and and you're into old dead guys, like, like this is the beauty of where we are today. We live in an age where God's word is more accessible to us than ever yeah. before. Your mobile device, your, um, I mean, literally you can Google whatever you want. I mean, this is just unbelievable. And so my very, very first, very practical thing is um, be in his word, you know, um, start in one of the gospels, you know, John, Mark, um, start in one of Paul's letters, maybe Ephesians or uh, Galatians and, and just get into God's word um, and don't allow a list of prerequisites to rob you of just the um, illuminating work that the Holy Spirit, you talked about the Holy Spirit already, the Holy Spirit uh, does the work of illumination. The Holy Spirit reveals God's truth to us. And so pray before you get get into the word and, um, and, then, and then dig and ask questions. And then the second one follows this, you know, in 2 Corinthians 1.13, Paul says, for we're not writing to you anything other than what you read and understand. And I hope you will fully understand. Now, the problem is in the English text, you and I typically, we might assume that the you is singular. The you is me. The you is Pat. The you is Ruth. The you is enter in your name. Yet the Greek text here, the you is second person plural. So really, and Paul does this everywhere in the New Testament, what he's doing here is he's saying, you all, what does that mean? Paul, when he writes his letters, has in mind a community of faith. He has in mind the family of God. He does not have in mind individualism. 
And so the very next practical thing that you can do is to find a Bible-believing, Bible-teaching church and submit yourself to that local church pastor, to those ministry leaders, and to um, engage in Scripture with them through that. That's so good. I, I appreciate um, appreciate that, and I, that's exactly where my mind was going. And so I, I think that that is um, such an important piece of of just you know digging into God's word, but but doing it together, and doing it in the context of a local church. And so, um, what what resources you know what, what are sort of some of the must have resources? You know, obviously because of what you and I do. Um, sometimes we just kind of take for granted that everybody knows like what a Bible commentary right. is or, you know, or, or right. software out there. I mean, sometimes learning yeah. some of the software that's available is like learning a, learning a second line. I feel like I need to get another doctorate to figure out logo sometimes. I know, and I, know. So, I know, exactly. But what exactly. are just, you know, two or three resources that you would say, Hey, you've got to have these in your library for personal study. Yeah. I mean, the first one is obviously your Bible, but the second one is a really good study Bible. You know, I, I yeah. use the ESV study Bible for many, many years. I've recently started using the CSB um, study Bible and the study Bible yeah. notes. I just think that the CSB is just an excellent job um, in its translation. So I'd say a Bible uh, and a study Bible. And the second one is a digital resource that's free. Um, you can actually get, it's called the Faith Life Study Bible. And it's so brilliant because mm. on your mobile device or even online, it gives you layers of study notes and articles to help you dig a little bit deeper, but it's kind of like a guided tour, you know? Um, so you don't, it just works kind of like the same way a study Bible does, but it also gives videos and illustrations and visuals. And so um, I would say that those are kind of the, the primary things. And then if you're like, yo, I'm ready to dig into commentaries, you know, I would say there are two types of commentaries. One is like whole Bible commentaries. Um, and so it's like a commentary that, you know, goes from Genesis to Revelation. And um, I'm blanking. Pat, what's like that? What's that? Like everybody uses um, the, the commentary series. Oh, there's, um, there's an AV yeah. application series. There's uh, Warren Wearsby has a great, um, you know, Old Testament and New Testament. Yeah, and like the AV is series. It, um, is there another yeah, one that you're thinking are, of? That, there is. I want to say it's Henry. So I, I'm going to remember as soon as we, we get done with this, but right, um, I'll we'll, text you and you can put it in Okay, show we'll notes. put on the show notes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That, but then also NT Wright has an incredible mm. commentary series that's called NT Wright for Everyone. And it's like yeah, his right. commentary through kind of every book of the Bible. And then he has his buddy, uh, John Goldengate, who's an Old Testament scholar that did the Old Testament uh, for him. And so I just think that those are some just, you know, you can get it on Amazon. And if you're in a, a Bible, uh, particularly, I would go and look and see if NT has um, anything in his NT for Everyone series. Yeah. And that's such a great aid. Um, yeah. And NT one of my favorite uh, New no, Testament scholars, for sure. Absolutely. Yep. Those are some great, great suggestions. Yeah, and if you think of the other one, uh, we'll link to some others as well. I'm going to go down and look at my library. I've, I've got others I know that I'm not thinking of either that we can, we can link to in our show notes. But um, those are some great, great resources. And so, Joel, thank you again for taking the time. I know you're busy. You are, as we were talking earlier, you're, you're working on your PhD and working yeah. full-time with Proverbs and, and you're a, a dad. And so uh, yeah. any one of those is a full-time job in and of itself. <laughs> and so I really, really appreciate your time and just appreciate your voice. Uh, we, we need, um, you know, more uh, folks like you and just a sharp mind and a soft heart. And uh, you're speaking, speaking the truth and leading others towards Jesus in a humble and yet courageous way. And so keep up the great work and appreciate you and appreciate taking the time to be on Root Like Faith today. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you. 
Well, friend, we are so grateful you have joined us. I hope you loved that conversation with Pat and Joel. Isn't it? Isn't Joel awesome? So listen, you can follow him at Mood Amale, M-U-D-D-A-M-A-L-L-E on Instagram. And if we haven't met you, if Pat and I haven't met you, be sure to follow us on Instagram at Patrick W. Schwank and at Ruth Schwank or on Facebook. And don't forget, everything that Pat and Joel talked about today will be at rootlikefaith.com forward slash podcast. Again, we welcome you into our family here at Root Like Faith. Would you do us a big favor and leave us a review or rating and share this podcast with your friends? It just takes a second and it's a tremendous help to us as we spread the word about Root Like Faith. Oh, and be sure to tag us on social media when you do that. We want to share it. We're so grateful for your help in getting the word out. Okay, friend, well, we will chat soon as we continue our series, our summer school series. So we hope you have the best week.